radio right. was almost like dangerous. And, and you'd line up where he says, um, on the tape and you get a razor blade. You mark it with this little <laughs> special marker. It sounds like there should have been like dinosaurs outside roaming around it. The Technology Plus Business Podcast, brought to you by Central Technology Solutions. That's why every station you listen to, you'll hear has different programming on because different stations have different rights to different programs. You know, it's the seven words that you're not allowed to say, and I really should know them, and I'm not gonna say them, but I think I know them. <laughs> if somebody comes on and drops an F-bomb, we press the button, as long as you do it within six seconds, it'll skip six seconds ahead on the air. Mary and Ashley from WLNI, welcome ladies. Good morning, uh, Sherry. Hi. Before we kind of dive into all the questions, go ahead and give me a little bit of background of, of what you guys do at WLNI and how long you've been there and so on and so forth. WLNI, Lynchburg's news and information station, 105.9, uh, has mm -hmm. been around for more than 25 years. It's Lynchburg's heritage talk station. And I started all the way back in 1999 as the co-host of The Morning Line. Uh, hard to believe it's been that long ago. And I, and I was with WLNI for more than a decade, left to go to another station for a while, and then ended up coming back to WLNI as one of the owners of the radio station. And so not only do I continue to be the co-host of The Morning Line, I'm also the news director and wearing that owner's hat. So I work with clients. I just um, work in a lot of different um, capacities to build our company, James River Media, and also just help develop and continue the great tradition of WLNI. And I'm Ashley. I've worked for um, in radio for 13 years, and I've worked for LNI for almost two years now. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary since James River Media purchased WLNI. Met Mary in 2013. We've been fighting each other ever since. She's a teenager. Since. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least. At least a teenager. And I am the operations director, so I do what I can to keep the trains running. I get commercials placed and try, try to keep us on the air. So if we're off the air, you can probably blame me in some capacity because I haven't fixed it yet. So, you know, give us a call and say, put Ashley on that. So, uh, yeah, we, we try to keep the trains running. I do that on the technical side. Mary does that on the business side. So Something special is happening with you guys. You guys have kind of brought in in-home. Do you want to kind of talk about that? Sure. So just a couple of months ago, our company, which is James River Media, and that's the owner of WLNI, decided we want to expand our media company and what we do and our um, opportunities for our advertising clients and for our consumers. And so we bought West Willow Publishing, which is the publisher of Home Magazine. That's Central Virginia Home, Roanoke Valley Home, and Smith Mountain Lake Home. So we're so excited to add this beautiful, well-done, well-produced magazine that's been around for 15 years to our uh, media company of James River Media because it's gonna it's free for listen for for readers which we love that we have this beautiful free product uh, just like our radio station is free for listeners but then for the advertisers it's going to offer that much more value and that much more opportunity for them to get their message out so we're just so happy to expand James River Media and be able to offer home magazine and we're learning a lot now about magazines and publishing and Ashley is uh, doing all kinds of research on how do you best manage your your clients you know your your client resources in that kind of when we have radio and 
and, and print. How do you how do you combine those two? Yeah, exactly. And that can be on the radio programming side. That can be on the just the magazine side. How do we put more of the station in there and vice versa? A lot of cross promotion. Of course, a lot of uh, software and onboarding for new employees. Uh, technical folks will understand what I mean by that. So that's been a fun adventure so far. But we're learning a lot, like Mary said. Yeah, I love that. And it's on brand for you guys as well. So it's not something that you're just bringing in and it's like, oh, this is just random. It's like, no, this is radio is free. The magazine is free. That's a good complimentary. And like you said, you're kind of like learning more about, you know, not just radio, but the magazine process. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Let's talk about where the radio industry was years ago in in terms of technology and how it's changed throughout the years. When I was in college in the 80s, I'm dating myself here. I was in the college in the 80s and we would um, we would get a we would have a little handheld cassette recorder. And it has a little tape, you know, a little cassette tape in it. And you you do your interview. You would I would interview somebody and then I would listen back to it. And in order to edit the tape, say someone is saying something and then there's he says, um, so I would physically have the tape in front of me, a, a piece of tape, and I would put it on this little metal platform, this little tiny metal platform, and I would get and, and you'd line up where he says um on the tape and you get a razor blade, you mark it with this little special <laughs> marker. It sounds like there should have been like dinosaurs outside roaming around it. You mark it with this little marker so you could see where you marked it, where he said, um, and then you get a razor blade and you cut it right there and then you cut it at the next spot. So you're marking physically with, with pens, cutting with razor blades and then getting this special, um, like almost like scotch tape almost. And then you would that's, it's called splicing, and you would tape it back together. You would physically cut out sections of tape and then tape it back together. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what so we used to do. Radio was almost like dangerous. <laughs> right. You could cut yourself. You could have a, a severe, um, a severe hand wound. You know, with your editing skills. That's and engineering. Now it's all digital. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. actually what engineering is now. So Mary was an engineer, is what she's telling us in the eighties. But it has changed so much now to the point it's it's just all digital and we're just working with MP3s and waves. Not that I understand how any of that works, but I've just learned how to do it thanks to people like Ashley. So, yeah. yeah. And we used to do uh, in music radio and, and we're talk radio, granted, so we don't have as much of this, but but we would have these big we called them carts and they were about the size of a sandwich, like a, a really big, thick sandwich. And you would push them into a machine and hit play and they would play a song or they would play the commercial. And then when you were finished with that cart and you needed to record something else onto it, you had a handheld magnet in your hand and you turn it on and you run it over the cart to erase the cart. It was just really old school and, and, and kind of fun, but you know, all that's just long gone and it makes for a lot less clutter. That's for sure. You would walk into an old radio station and there would just, it would just be, um, stacks and stacks and stacks of all the, the physical things. Right. And we just don't have that anymore. So let me ask you this. I feel as though um, back in, I'll say back in the day. Back in the day. But okay. back in the day, um, they would kind of make, you know, the movies and they would kind of showcase what the radio station would look like. And you typically, it's a, it, it's, it's a, a, a small room kind of like this mm-hmm. and it's crowded and you got um, an overweight male typically just sitting in the corner, probably in a chair rolling back and forth. And he is, he is, 
was pushing all the buttons, doing all the things. So that was legit. Yes, that actually that happened. Was legit. That that was it. Oh, and there was a lot. There was a lot of button punching and a lot of frantic. Uh, I was about to say the stress levels were the higher. Stress levels were probably higher. There's still some button pushing. It's just on a computer. Yeah. Yeah, automation has really revolutionized things. We were able to, if they're doing the morning show, for example, they're talking away, they're ready to go to commercial break. For the most part, they just have to press one button on a, on a touch screen. And then that takes them through the whole commercial break and then it brings them back into the program. And it does all that for them. Whereas before it was individual carts you were having to press in place. So you, I think you probably had to be more on your game mm -hmm. at that point versus now we just kind of lollygag in the breaks, you know, take a bathroom break or get a cup of coffee or whatever you need. So wow. that... you hit you hit one button and there's five minutes of content covered as opposed to if you might have had 10 commercials and they're on 10 different carts. And so you're trying to get them in order and pressing the buttons. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's see. And I want to make sure I understand this correctly. We, we were talking about, um, when somebody was already recording and you had to slice up the ums in the yeah, conversation. Just to, just to edit it. Just yeah. if, you, if you wanted to, if somebody answered a question, you're doing a news story and you want to use one part of the answer and then the another part of the answer, you would, you would just physically have to cut out the part of the tape that you, and then you would throw it away. You're kind of throwing away somebody's words into the trash can. It was, it's wow. very, it's funny even to think about it was yeah. so long ago. And I think another, the, the biggest change also has been, I don't even know, 20 plus years ago when I started doing this and we would walk into the studio and stand there and talk for three hours and we didn't have computers. We didn't, we had one computer in the station and occasionally, so if you needed to research something like, I don't know, I'm saying something, but I'm not sure you would have to go back and there was this thing called Ask Jeeves. That was the website, wow. Ask Jeeves, and you could ask Jeeves a question. Yes. And Ask Jeeves became Google. Yes. And so we now know what we can do with Google. Yes. But I would have to go ask Jeeves, gee, I'm not sure what uh, what the population of this country is that I'm talking about, so I need to go and ask Jeeves what it is. And now, so I don't re even know how we did it. We subscribed to a lot of newspapers. We had the TV on playing the news. But other than that, we were just kind of winging it. Right. It was everything that's just that you might have in your mind in your head right. you didn't have a, a laptop right there where you're just able to find right. things instantaneously so when did you see the shift where the digital age kind of came in and, and assisted you or took over or even automation in the in the 2000s i think or i would say starting right around the turn of the century if that sounds really old too but starting around 2000 and on into uh by 2010 things were getting a little more current with we all had we didn't have our own laptops but at least we had um well, desktop you know computers and and so right. we were getting a little more technically savvy yeah i think that's when i came in i was about two it was 2009 when i started my my radio career and um that probably was the the start of everything because i remember we had computers laptops you you had one if you had money kind of thing right. you didn't have necessarily nobody had released any smartphones because that wasn't really a thing till 2007 or so yeah and the software was just just coming out and these days it's very software heavy but at the time, there were maybe two or three programs we used, and we kind of plugged and played with everything else. You'd unplug this to put it here. Like, well, that'll work for now. So we had to get this thing on the air. Let's move it back. And mm -hmm. so there's less of that now, and everything's really digital and software-focused now. But I think that was probably the start of it was around when I came in. So, Ashley, when you came in, um, 
what were you a part of that, that kind of helped some change with that digital introduction? More or less, when I started, I was just a board op kind of pushing buttons, uh, running commercial breaks during game broadcasts. But as time went on, I thought there has to be an easier way to do this. There was one software. You talk about playing cart decks, playing spots individually. I had to do that during game broadcasts. There was a software we used. It was called Jazzler. And I think it was a free program. And you would load your spots into the screen and press your commercial, press the next commercial, press the next commercial. And so it worked like the cart decks without the, the physical process of popping them into something. And I thought there, there has to be an easier way to do this. So you start doing research and that's where Google becomes your most important tool in at least our industry and I'm sure a lot of others too. What software can I use to make this more of an automatic process? And then we moved on to Play It software, which was uh, Play It Live, which allows you to add in commercials, but then when you go to commercial break, they kind of automate. Yeah. Um, and, and from there, it was just sort of inheriting new software. You kind of were forced to, to upgrade your products and go into these subscription-based services. And if you get me started on that, we'll be here for probably longer <laughs> than an hour. So, right. But it, it has rapidly changed since then. Rapidly. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. Wow. We're, we're still trying to keep up right now. How do you guys set up, whether it's a day on air or if it's a whole week, what does that look like? How do you get the recording? So Mary, you know, I've come in and we've done the recording sessions for CTS and it, I just, I just say, okay, there, there's my voice. Have fun. Do, do what you need. Um, but how is it already scheduled out what does that process look like for you guys well that's largely ashley as a i said she wears a lot of hats she's also our traffic manager so i'll let her explain more about that but we'll record we'll i'll produce a commercial and then i kind of hand it off to her and also we should note that we have local shows so there there are several many shows that we do on wlni two each weekday and then many on the weekends where it's local hosts sitting in our local studio doing their shows but then a lot of our shows are nationally syndicated coming in via satellite. And so that's even adding an extra degree of difficulty. But Ashley works her magic in traffic to put it all together. Yeah, we use a program called Natural Log. And again, we're going back to software here. And uh, an order comes in, say CTS says, I want to spend X amount of money and I want to run this amount, you know, this amount of spots. And I do three commercials a day or something. Yeah. Yeah, And I go in and I I put those in as a contract and it kind of, it it helps me auto schedule each day. I'll run a log for the next day. Um, And that places all the commercials into the log. And then that syncs with another system that we use for automation, which runs the commercials live on the air. And that one's called Wide Orbit. It's an incredible software, by the way. Uh, We won't get into that because we're going to get really into the weeds if that (laughs) happens. But that's kind of the simplest way to put it is they get scheduled that way. We have the audio from production. They produce it with music. And then I go into traffic. I assign the production to the contract. And then we put it into what's called a cart number. And that cart number goes into the automation system. It's kind of like an ID system. The traffic system says, I'm looking for this ID, COM1234, which is CTS's 30-second commercial, and then it plays it in line in automation. That's t- so Yeah, it's cool. taken the place of that old-fashioned cart yeah. where you would physically put it in a cart deck. It's now just within the in the software. It's just going to run on its own. Yeah, that is so interesting. See, on the user side, you're just hearing the commercials. You don't know what's coming up. You never know. And, and, and you typically know when you hear, you know, Mary and Brian come on. And uh, but I think just the whole concept of um, 
it's going to be some new commercials are going to be filtered in. And I was just curious if it's like an actual screen where you guys just kind of like drag and drop and, and how far out is it automated? Like, that's really interesting that it takes care of it for you. That automation aspect really comes into play. Absolutely. And like I said, the, the traffic system does help a lot with, hey, I have all these contracts and all these people have spots on this day. And it, it mostly auto places them for me. And then I go through and make sure everything's in the right place and where we promised they were going to be. And then the other side takes care of making sure that they play. Yeah. So as long as there's a spot associated with the cart number, then all is well and everything runs as it should. And that's mm -hmm. a more or less a day-by-day -day process because we do operate 24-7. So, yeah, we work about, about a day ahead. Wow. Wow. So the automation part for you guys is really a peace of mind for yourself and the customers. So they sign a contract with you and they know they're going to get X amount. Mm -hmm. And you guys know X amount is going to be pushed out because it's automated a day ahead or so. Right. And there is the human aspect to it, too. We can drag and drop. We can add hey, I'm going to add an extra commercial here for this particular reason or whatever. So humans can always, our, our on-air people can always kind of override something if necessary. So that's the best part. The automation system does automate, but there's another software that comes with that, that you can go in and click around. You can delete things. You can move things. Things get deleted on accident sometimes. Yeah. You know, it happens, Not everybody so. has the power to do that. Ashley has the power to do that and a, a couple others, and that's it. We don't give everybody that power. Right. <laughs> and if, yeah, they don't need it. They don't need to be in there. That's fine by me. The less less hands mucking things right. up is, is better. But yeah, there's a lot of different components to it that make, make the magic work. When guests were coming on to the radio station prior to, let's say, the digital turn, was that a thing? Or are guests coming on air kind of a new modern twist? Um, I would say that yeah, I think we've always had guests. I think that's been a big component of talk radio is to have on the newsmakers and who the, the politicians and the newsmakers and the celebrities, just whoever is who has something interesting to say. So we bring people on, whether it's over the phone or whether it's in the studio. What's different also is the technology that we can use Zoom. We can bring people in that way and make it sound like they're in the studio, even though they might not be. But yeah, we've had we've always had guests. Um, so how let's kind of like talk about the ad perspective of radio. Um, again, back to where uh, you're doing everything physical to now everything's automation. Has the ad space changed? Well, I think it it's given us more flexibility to be more creative with ads. For instance, Central Technology Solutions, when you have an ad in mind for an ad that has sound effects of a boxing match, and we have in our library uh, just thousands of sound effects at our fingertips, and we can pull the sound effect of somebody, you know, the punching bag and the right. fists and the, the TKO, and we just we're able to put something together very quickly. Yeah. I think it it's made things much more efficient, and we're able to be a lot more creative because we have so many more resources at our fingertips. Right. So I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm, I'm in the wedding industry as well. So I do wedding videography on the weekends. I, I get no sleep. It's so much fun. Um, and the biggest thing is that royalty-free music. So how does that apply to you guys on the radio? Do you guys require like royalty-free sound effects, music? And I know that's a whole other uh, monster within itself. Well, it's, I'll let Ashley take this one because we've been on the phone with um, attorneys and stuff about like what can we use and what can't we use because we want to be very, very careful because we... Uh, you know, we fall under FCC guidelines, but Ashley can explain what we're allowed and what we're not. We, um, what happens is we have multiple licenses from multiple companies that give us the option of being able to quote unquote perform 
certain music on the air. So as long as we have all those licenses, we can more or less play whatever we want live on the air or as long as it's unpredictable in nature. So since we're a talk radio, the music we play, the sound effects we play are unpredictable. Nobody can see what's coming up next. We're not profiting off of the music. So we have licenses that cover that as well as a separate one for our internet stream. And then everything else, we do have a, a program, like she mentioned, it's a production library that we we get by, uh, we call it, it's barter. We run some commercials for this company and in exchange, they allow us to use royalty-free music and sound. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's how we get by being able to kind of do whatever the heck we want. How, uh, I guess, regulations are applied. During college, I was informed that uh, one regulation or one rule for radio is that uh, curse words could not be played during a certain time of day. So what are some other, if that's even true? So I think it was like sometime where like kids were typically in the vehicle, you couldn't play it. So how does that apply? And is that still a thing now? And what are some other odd rules that you guys are are finding out? You know, it's the seven words that you're not allowed to say. And I really should know them. And I'm not going to say them, but I think (laughs) I know them. But we do have the technology uh, a dump button. We call it the dump button. And it's, and we're on a six second delay all the time and it's called, and then there's a button. So if a, we know better than to say those words. And so we're pretty good about not saying that. But if a listener comes on and says something and it's happened, it's happened recently, a listener comes on and says one of the words, all our host needs to do is hit that dump button. And it's, how does it work, Ashley? It's the listener will just, it's, it's almost like it's pauses right there. It, yeah, more or less. So you have that six second delay because it's kind of post recording that six seconds. Right. And when you press the button, what it does is it dumps that previous six seconds. So if somebody comes on and drops an F-bomb, we press the button. As long as you do it within six seconds, it'll skip six seconds ahead on the air. So the listener won't hear that. The, yeah. the listener, it will sound a little disjointed, like if somebody jumped ahead six seconds in a conversation, but they're not going to hear the, the bad word. Right. And so we've had to, um, we found out the hard way that the dumb button was broken, though. It was. <laughs> it, was, oh my gosh. it was doing the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do. So it was four seconds at the time and it was repeating it, oh. which is not the desired effect of the of the delay. So that, that could have been potentially very bad, but you know, good now. Wow. <laughs> so we have we have that re- in place if something is said on the air that's not supposed to be said. And um, we have we, we kind of know the guidelines as far as what music we're allowed to play and what music we're licensed for. I'm trying to think, are there other examples of or even anything that people don't expect from radio? Like, again, I was in college and I, I was just I don't know, it was probably early morning when somebody said that. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, why during certain times of the day can you not say X or whatever? Like, it makes sense. You got to think about the public. But I was like, wow, what else is out there? There's only there's only seven words you can't say on the radio. And if anybody's curious what those are, just look up George Carlin, seven words you can't say on the radio. He'll list them off for you yeah. if you'd like. <laughs> it's not PG rated. That's- no. And there's right. some words that aren't included that would still probably be frowned upon or offend people that you, right. we try to avoid most cursing at all costs yeah. just to not offend people. A lot of people ask, you know, how do you, how do you get by running, you know, the Brian Kilmeade show in this area? What if somebody else wants to carry it? There are actually rules for that. So mm-hmm. if you're wanting to carry the Brian Kilmeade show or Dan Bongino or Sean Hannity, you get the rights to it in your market. So if, if my tower is, within 35 miles of another tower, we can't carry the same programs. Right. 
So that's why every station you listen to, you'll hear has different programming on because different stations have different rights to different programs. So, so we get that question mm-hmm. a fair bit. Like, why can't you pick up this show? Well, because somebody else has it mm-hmm. in another area close by. So when do you guys ever get like an alert saying like, hey, this show is now available. Pick it up for your station. How does that work? The networks have salespeople who actually they yeah. yep they reach because uh, the way the networks work and you may hear this when you listen to our station when they go to commercial break you'll hear some kind of national commercials that's there so the networks are in charge of selling those commercial breaks so they have salespeople also in charge of making sure they have enough stations so that yeah. their advertisers get enough coverage across the country so yeah they'll actually bombard you in your email. Hey, so-and-so's available. Do you want to pick him up? Hey, you want to try this guy out? You can try him out free for a day if you want to. You know, the host becomes their product and they're trying to sell you their product and they're pretty persistent about it. They make a good sell. So, and then we have to decide which one we want to buy per se. There's always a salesperson in everybody's email. Yeah. And, you know, there's one other thing that happened recently that is kind of interesting. We have the EAS, that's right, emergency alert system that is required by law that we play that. And sometimes it's just a test. We will have a test of the of the system and it'll play. They'll say it's going to happen on Monday at five or something. But recently with the tornadoes that hit, especially in the Goud area, we were talking away and we heard the that telltale kind of a screeching, a high-pitched sound. And it was the tornado warning from the EAS was overriding our signal. Wow. So our listeners were hearing that emergency alert wow. and we kind of realized it and, and, and it didn't really matter. They were gonna hear it regardless of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so they were hearing it and and, and so the EAS was popping in, I'd say every 15 or 20 minutes throughout that morning. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have to worry about making sure that it played. It just was it was interrupting our signal to um, let listeners know about the tornado. And so that was really um, valuable, I think, to them because a lot of people, they were getting it in other ways too, but right. they went to their basements. And, and uh, so when the tornado hit, there weren't any fatalities or anything. Right. So When you're on air and a national disaster happens or even a local disaster, whether it's a tornado or something, it's not like it's scheduled. You're not like, oh, in five minutes, tornado is going to be right around the corner. And you and you send out your schedule for that. Um, so you guys just kind of hear it on your end and you just kind of make a note of where you are and, and where you're kind of talking and when you need to stop and pick back up. Yeah, pretty much. We'll just we'll we'll try to try to figure it out. Like, what was the last thing they heard us say? And then and of course, it's never scripted anyway. So we're always just kind of talking and trying to provide as much information as possible and inviting people to call in. That's that's one of the things I love about talk radio is that we're able to provide people with so much information and then listeners can provide their fellow listeners with so so much information. And on a day when there's um, some kind of spot news was what, you know, if, if there's some kind of a emergency, some kind of weather emergency, a fire or something like that, we can provide a lot of information to people. And if they if they missed something, too, we record pretty much double recordings of all of our live programming. So the recording that you had, if the EAS kept interrupting you, is actually available online afterwards and in podcast form. So, you know, if you missed something you thought was important, you wanted to hear, go find it at WLNI.com. Right. Yeah. I tune in almost every morning. As soon as I come to the office, I'm like, I gotta listen to Brian and Mary. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You guys bring so much light in the morning. So we greatly appreciate that. Any inside scoop on what's to come at WLNI? 
Gosh, Ashley, do we have any big announcements to make? Gosh, we have so many things in the works. I mean, it feels like people are approaching us a lot about trying different things out. So there's nothing, nothing concrete. We're doing a lot of research on different things. But uh, knowing how ambitious everybody is who we work with, I think um, right around the corner, we're going to have something. It, it will happen. Yeah, it keeps happening. You know, happen. I will say by the time this is aired we uh, we are up for some awards at the virginia association of broadcasters convention congratulations thank you we're up for some awards and so fingers crossed that we'll win some awards yeah. that would be very nice we're up for two actually and um and then we're just partnering with some wonderful organizations this summer um the kiwanis club of lynchburg and then later on the road the uh, rotary club of forest the kiwanis for their shrimp fest the rotary for their field of honor we love partnering with area organizations and all the great work that they're doing so those are all coming up too oh and mustaches for kids and mustaches later for in the kids. year about that will be Which, in november yeah. so yeah yes. just lots and it'll all be here before we know it so. and it's right on time because now we have like the the handlebar mustaches coming back mm-hmm. because of the the, the top what is it top gun top gun I, i'll be completely honest top i haven't seen them yeah. but I, I might have to <laughs> this is looking really good not gonna lie this new episode or new video yeah. um well guys thank you so much for coming on y'all did great thank you. thank you for being our third episode i really appreciate that. happy to do it and thanks for what you all are doing with central technology solutions and helping people worry less with, with team cts, CTS. <laughs>